0: You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today, and wherever you are listening, we hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Danny, if you're new here. And I know we got some folks visiting today because of your dads. Thank you for being here, coming to hang out with your dad. And we're just glad that you're here. And uh, I'd like to ask all the dads to stand up. I know we do this every year, but stand up if you are here. You're a dad. Stand up. Hey, how about that? Love you guys. So glad you're here. So honored to have all the dads here. And what a great place to come You get it free hot dog at the end. You get uh, Blackstone Grill, maybe somebody going to win a Blackstone Grill, but we're glad you're here. And uh, so thankful that you're here with us this morning. So uh, we are in a series called uh, uh, Showdown in Egypt. We're going to stop that today. We're in like the plagues of the frogs today. And I don't think that fit with Father's Day very well or whatever. So we're going to do something a little different. We're going to talk today about the perfect father, the perfect father. And when we say the word Father, if we think about a mathematical symbol that may come to your mind when you think of the word father, some people have a plus sign. They think of a positive thing about their father. Other people have a negative sign, a subtraction sign where they feel they got a negative memory, uh, something maybe not so good about the word father. It doesn't evoke a positive feeling, but a negative feeling. Then you got people that have a positive and a negative. They have positive thoughts about their dad and also some negative thoughts about their dad. When I thought about, um, when, I, when I was writing this message, I thought about my dad and uh, thought about th- what that meant to me. And the first image I had come to me was this image. I'm like 10 years old, 11 years old, and I'm in the front yard. I got my, my baseball mitt in my hand, uh, uh, on, my, on my hand here, my right hand. I'm barefoot. I can feel the grass under my feet. And it's a, uh, it's a summer evening. And my dad is up the other end of the yard, and he's got a baseball bat, and he's got a grass-stained baseball. And he's tossing that ball up, and he's hitting me fly balls. And, uh, and I remember distinctively what he said. This was 55 years ago. I remember him saying, you know, if you're going to play outfield, it's better to play back a little bit because it's easier to run forward than it is to run backward if the ball is over your head. And I remember him, uh, one, one night we were playing, my granddad was standing there. And my dad would hit me fly balls. I'd hopefully catch the ball, throw it to him. It would bounce. He'd pick it up and hit me fly balls. That's a great memory. That's the first thing I think of when I think of the word dad, of all the things that happened, you know, 20 years, you know, 19 years being raised in that household. And that's the memory that stands out, that memory. Now, my dad was a good dad, I see a positive sign, but when I was a teenager, we had some really rough times because uh, based (laughs) most of our arguments were about hair, (laughs) which is ironic. You know what I mean? When I was growing up in high school, the late '60s, early '70s, uh, you know, long hair was in vogue, and hippies, you know, long hair. You wanted your hair down to your shoulders. You wanted your your bell-bottom jeans to drag in the dirt, you know. And my dad believed in being saved and shaved. That was his thing, you know. <laughs> Want your hair cut? Want it short? And uh, we had so many arguments about hair. About long hair how, hair, how long hair could be. We had theological arguments about it. You know, what does the Bible say about long hair, you know? And uh, I said, Jesus had long hair. Well, he didn't know if we, I could prove that. You know, we had all these arguments about, and I, we had arguments about curfew. Me not making the curfew coming in too late. And we had some really ugly scenes when I was a teenager, so I have a, a plus and a negative and my dad was a good dad, but he didn't always handle things perfectly and he didn't always do things right. And uh, so when you think about the fatherhood, you know, you got this mixed bag in your head. There is no such thing as a perfect father. That's why God invented therapist. Important thing to remember. I asked people uh, what they thought of I, Twitter, You know, when you think of father, the word father, what comes to your mind? Michelle wrote, I have mixed feelings for the word father. The first thing I think about when I hear the word is my father, who is practically a ticking time bomb with a temper so unpredictable but scary. Aaron said, when I think about father, I think about a positive. I love my dad so much and pray daily. He lives a very, very long and healthy life. Martha wrote, she said, my first reaction is one of fear. I will only say that while I have met some really amazing fathers, I have never experienced that personally from my own father. And then finally, Seda says, she says, when I think about my dad, I think about a kind hearted, loving parent who is my best friend, who will always be on my side. He is always there for me, would never replace me. I know that he loves me very much because he says it and expresses it. So I put on my Facebook account, I said, what do you think about uh, when you think of the word father? And I had all these Bayshore people respond and and it's overwhelmingly positive about their fathers. Colleen wrote, I think of the word protector, provider, comforter. Kayla said selfless. My father was selfless. And this is one of my favorites. Laura wrote, I think of rough hands, rough hands and a no nonsense advice. So we all have images of our father and we have that in our head indelibly, indelibly, it's there. We have it. We'll have it the rest of our life. So if a father was getting a report card, if you want to give a report card to a father, What would that report card look like? And I think we think, you know, if our father, if you gave yourself a a report card or or your kids gave you a report card and you gave your father a report card, it wouldn't have just one, one grade. It wouldn't have like an A, a B, a C. What it would have is it would have multiple categories A report card. When you get a report card, when you were in grade school, you got like, uh, you got a social studies grade, you got a history grade, you got a science grade, you got a math grade, You got uh, language arts. You had a grade in different categories. And here's the thing about fatherhood. Fathers can be great at one thing and poor at another thing. They may get an A in being a provider. They're a good provider. They're always providing. Their kids never have to worry about anything. Dad gets up when he's sick. He doesn't feel like going to work. Dad makes great decisions for his company. Dad is a great provider. And some fathers think that if I'm a good provider, I'm done. But there's a lot more categories. You know, spending time with your kids. Being a counselor to your kids, listening to your kids—all of those things are grades as well. When I think about my report card, I don't know what kind of report card I'd get. One of my sons, Tim, is here today. I'm honored to have him and Jess and our uh, grandkids here today. Um, when I think about, you know, what my grade would be, I think I was good at spending time with the kids. I'd love to play baseball in the backyard. In fact, on a Sunday afternoon when the kids were growing up, uh, we'd eat lunch. I'd go out in the backyard. We'd play baseball. Fall, we'd play play, uh, football in the front yard. And uh, I coached soccer. Didn't know anything about it, but how hard could it be, I said to myself. Turns out it's pretty hard, actually. I coached basketball, even baseball. And I felt like I spent time with kids. One of my weaknesses, I was not always present. I was not always present. Sometimes I'd be sitting at the table, my body would be in the chair, but my mind would be far away. And I know my kids sense that because I wasn't always present. And you know why? Because when you're in your thirties and your forties, you've got something to prove. You're trying to prove you're not a failure. You're trying to prove that you're not a, you know, a goofball, and you're trying to succeed in your career and you're thinking about all these things you have to do and you come home and your, your mind is still at the office or your mind's still at work. And so I wouldn't get a good grade in the being present part. So all of us have as fathers, we have maybe areas of strength and then maybe areas of weakness. And I want to read you one verse of scripture today that I think is really cool. And it's a great scripture, Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. That's an interesting, interesting verse. And when I read that verse, a lot of people read that verse, the word that sticks out to them is perfect. And they, they, that makes us nervous when we hear the word perfect. And if you're a perfectionist, perfectionism is the highest form of self-abuse. Trying to be perfect. And when Karen and I started dating uh, years ago, and then we got married, uh, where she lived in Seaford, uh, she lived in a little uh, neighborhood called Johnson's Development. And behind her house was a railroad track and we had family get togethers and I'd kind of wander out in the yard and I'd go back to that railroad track and I'd get on those rails. Have you ever done this? Try to walk on the rails without falling off. And I would try to walk as far as I could. And you know, I don't know if you know this, but that railroad track that runs through, you know, Seaford uh, blades and through Laurel that, that thing goes all the way to Norfolk. You know, I don't, I don't think I could ever make it that far. And we think about being a father, we think about being perfect, but that is not what this word means. This word is the word teleos in the Greek, and it means to be complete without deficiencies. So the heavenly father is perfect and he has no deficiencies. He's good at everything. We're good at some things. So when you think about your heavenly father, regardless of how your earthly father raised you, you have a heavenly father that has no deficiencies. Everything that your father was not, he is. Amen. He is perfect. He's complete. He's whole. So I want to talk to you just a few moments about what is the perfect father-like and what is God-like as our, perfectly fa- our perfect father. First thing is God, the perfect father, loves you completely. God, the perfect father, loves you completely. One of the things that we need to remember is that every child that's born is born with an empty bucket inside of their hearts, an empty bucket. And it's the job of the father to fill that bucket with love To fill that bucket with affection. To fill that bucket with you're special to me. To fill that bucket with acceptance and love. And every child is born with that empty bucket. And sometimes people get upset when I say this. And I think you can do everything right and your kids can have difficulties. But sometimes the reason kids get into bad stuff is because their bucket's empty. And they get into promiscuity. They get into... Alcohol, drugs, all kinds of things that are extreme in their life because they're trying to fill the bucket. So our job as parents is when we get, our, get these wonderful kids, we bring home and you bring them home. You've got to see that empty bucket and you want to pour into that bucket love and acceptance and grace. They need to know that, that they're loved and, and that they're cared for. Um, I don't know if you were raised in a family where... There was a favorite kid, and you weren't that kid. Sometimes we are in uh, family dynamics where there is maybe the daughter is favored over the son. You got the perfect daughter. You got the perfect uh, you know, prom queen, perfect grades, and why can't you be like your, your sister Or maybe you had a brother that was more popular than you. I have a good friend uh, in this church that he was telling me one day we were having lunch how, you know, he was, he was a pretty good athlete, but his brother was a great athlete and they slept in the same bedroom and they both had shelves beside their, their beds. And he said he had one trophy, but his brother had all of the, it's just filled with trophies because his brother was so good. And so... His dad was all about his brother. You know, and, and, and God loves you perfectly. He, doesn't, he loves you like you are his favorite. He loves you like you're the most special person on the earth in the universe. Your heavenly father is not deficient in segregating out his love, you know, in portions, God loves you with all of his heart and he loves you completely. And that's an important thing for us to know. He loves you like you are the most important. Here's what it says about Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph chapter 37 of Genesis. Now Israel loved Joseph more than the any of the other sons because he was born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them they were upset now Israel loved Joseph more than any of them and he made a ornate robe for him and we don't know what that means you know the old king james says a coat of many colors and we get that from the septuagint you know the old testament was written in hebrew and then it was translated into greek and the greek word used was a, like a coat of many colors the hebrew word means like a uh, a coat with long sleeves he gave him an elegant robe and he was special because of how he was arrayed by his father he was special and you need to know that how your father loves you your heavenly father is your special my dad has dementia my dad's 86 i love my dad dearly a heart i feel love every time i say my dad's name i love my dad and my dad wasn't perfect but i just my dad's a good good man godly man and when i go visit him because he has dementia he does Process the same stories a lot, and I like to hear them. And and we hear them sometimes, I'll hear them multiple times in a visit. But when I call him on the phone, and we'll have a talk, he always says this to me He says, You're pretty special before he hangs up. You're pretty special. And every time he says that, here I am as a 65-year-old man, knees hurt, no hair, you know me, you know. And it still fills my bucket because I'm special to my father. You are loved completely by your father and you are special. Other day I went to a... Lord Baltimore to see my grandson, Jack Pierce, graduate from kindergarten. Of course, I'm sure Val, 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 Val Victoria on top of his class that they didn't say that, but I assume that. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the bleachers, just a couple hundred people there. And I'm, I said to Tim, I'm sitting next to Tim, I said, where is Jack? I can't see, there's hundreds of kids up there. And he said, dad, he's the one in the black shirt and he's got his arms folded. And if you look in the picture, you'll see Jack, his arms folded and that girl's checking him out. That's what you see. I thought that's gotta be Jack. Cause you know, he's got that taste charm. That girl's checking him out. No lie. I tell this story this morning at Fenwick Island when I'm preaching. And the guy in the third row sitting there said, that's my daughter. That's my daughter. <laughs> So I said, I'll talk to my son, Jess, we'll work on a marriage here. You know, we we'll can get this thing worked out. No lie. It was the craziest thing. But for us to have a healthy life, a good life, we have to know that we're loved specially by our father. We have the robe with the long sleeves. We're special. He loves you completely. Next thing about it is this is a good one. God the perfect Father takes initiative to be with you. God the perfect Father takes initiative to be with you. Here's one of the things that I think is so significant, and I think this is so important that fathers need to take the initiative to reach out to their kids. I I talked to a guy one time that was in counseling, and we were talking, and he said, you know, I always call my father. I always take the initiative. I'm always the one that picks up the phone, but my father never takes the initiative to call me, and he was wounded by that. I believe that... Good fathers, and this may be the most important thing I'll say in today's message. Good fathers take the initiative to be with their kids, to talk to them, to love them. Doesn't matter how old your kids are. Doesn't matter you know uh, how successful they are. It doesn't matter how far away they live. It doesn't matter what's happened in the relationship. You are the father, and you take initiative to be with your kids. It says in the book of Genesis, look at this. Genesis 3, 8 through 10. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from him among the trees, but the Lord called out to man, where are you? The first story we see about the father, God the father, In the Old Testament, he's coming into the garden looking for his kids. He's taking initiative. So you need to be the one to take initiative. Don't sit back and wait for your kids to call you. Don't sit back to wait for your kids to text you. I hope I do okay with my boys with this. I text them and we call each other. Joel and I, we we have the same love for certain types of comedians. We kind of text back and forth. Tim, his success in life, I just, we, we engage, we talk, but it's important that fathers take the initiative and fathers don't let anything come into the relationship to disrupt that relationship because the fellowship of that relationship is primary. I was in the gym one day working out and this guy was telling me that he hadn't talked to his son in four or five years. I said, what? I said, why haven't you talked to your son in four or five years? And he began to tell me a story how they had this argument about a vanity tag that went on a vehicle about who was supposed to get the vanity tag. And he had not talked to his son because he was angry at his son about a vanity tag. And he's waiting for his son, he's waiting for his son to take the initiative to restore that relationship. I'm sorry. That is not how God operates. God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me tell you something, and how many would agree with this? There's something much more important than a vanity tag in life. Can you say a big amen? amen. So fathers take initiative. Fathers take initiative, and I could say a lot more about that. But let me uh, go to the next point here. God, the perfect father is always patient with you. God, the perfect father is always patient with you. One of the things I think happens with fathers is stress, responsibility, fatigue. And I think that maybe fathers struggle with anger more than mothers do. That's my theory. I don't know why, but I think fathers can be a little little angry sometimes, frustrated. Uh, you can discipline your kids in anger. You never discipline your kids in anger. But we've all done it. One of the biggest regrets in my uh, fatherhood experience, Tim's here today, and this is something that happened when he was a little kid. He was, uh, I think he was nine years old or so. It was the uh, night before hunting season, and I had my gun and I had a brand new scope on it and uh Karen got me a scope for my birthday and the brand new scope was sighted in and hunting seasons the next morning all excited about going hunting and Tim was always so helpful he was always very uh uh gifted with his hands could fix anything as well so he's uh he said dad let me put on let me put on the strap for the gun like I had this new strap and he's putting it on And he's got the gun up and he accidentally drops the gun on the scope which knocked it out of sight. And in a flash of humanity, I was angry and I struck out at him. And I will never forget the look on his face because I wounded him, I hugged him. kissed him, told him I was sorry, and uh, I said, son, for the rest of your life, I'll pay all your therapy bills. I will pay all your therapy bills. (laughs) You know what? I just want to say this. I'm not sure you can get through being a parent without having to apologize to your kids for your mess-ups. But our anger... As fathers, and I, if I ask you today, how many of you, and when I was looking at these surveys, how many of you experienced anger from your father that was wounding? A lot of you would raise your hands because it's almost a universal experience with fathers and children. That's why it says in Ephesians, Ephesians says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Don't frustrate your children with your impatience. But here's what it says about your heavenly father. I want you to listen to this. Psalm 86, 15. But you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And then it says in Psalm 145, 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love, Exodus 34, 6, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Joel verse uh, 2, verse 13, rend your hearts and not your garments, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. God the Father, the perfect Father, is not angry. He's not angry at you. God, when he looks at you, he doesn't look at you with scorn. He doesn't look at you with frustration. He doesn't look at you with like, how could you do that? His eyes are filled with compassion and love. You think about Peter who messed up in the night that Jesus was betrayed. He's warming his hands by the fire. And the little servant girl comes up to him and said, you know, do you know Jesus? And he said, "Nope, don't know him, never seen the man, don't know who he is. And he's warming himself by the fire. And then the little servant girl comes up again. Another servant girl, do you know Jesus? He looks like you're a Galilean. You must know Jesus. I don't know the Lord. I don't know Jesus. And he just went off. And then the third time they asked him while he was warming himself by the fire, do you know Jesus? And then he used some language. Some expletives, 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 he cussed, let's just say that. <laughs> and they didn't ask him anymore. And Jesus, after his resurrection, he's on the shore of Galilee. The disciples are out there fishing and, and they come to shore and Jesus has a fire made. And he has fish on the fire and they're sitting around the fire. And it's the same word a coal fire that's used when Peter was warming himself over the fire when he denied the Lord. It's the same experience, but Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He's restoring him to ministry. He asked him the second time, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. He asked him the third time, and Peter was distraught that Jesus had to ask him the third time, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Three times he denied. Three times the patience of Jesus. Jesus didn't say, how could you have done that, Peter? How could you have denied me after all I've done for you? Peter Felt the warmth of God's love and forgiveness. And I want you to say this with me. I want you to say this. Put your hand on your heart right now. And I want you to say this. My father is a loving, forgiving, full of mercy, God that forgives me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So your heavenly father, the perfect father, is patient. Then the next thing is, God, the perfect father is with us when we suffer. God, the perfect father is with us when we suffer. Uh, There's a great scripture in uh, Psalm 56, verse 8. The New Living Translation says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one of them in your book. Every time you cry, every time you suffer, the Bible says that God catches your tears and he puts your tears in a bottle. He's with you in your suffering. He's with you in your pain. He's with you when you are in a dark place. Your father never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He's with you when you suffer. He's with you when you're in pain. When Tim was, uh, Tim was a little guy, we used to live next to the church here in a, a mobile home. And uh, before we had asphalt, we had like these little stones for our driveway. And one day, he's maybe four, five-ish, he's running across the, the parking lot and he trips and he falls, falls on his face. And one of those stones hits him right in uh, the top of his lift and that little cleft right there split his lip way open and he's bleeding and I pick him up and Karen got the car and we took him to the emergency room in Seaford Nanticoke hospital and the doctor looked at him in the emergency room and said boy that that's quite a gash we're gonna have to we're gonna have to sew that up and he said I want one parent in here not two Karen said you're on you're the dad (laughs) this is you So she went in the hallway, and they put Tim on that that steel table, that stainless steel table. They put that big light over his his head and that big gas, and they took that little hook, you know that little hook thing where they do the sutures? They started going through that, that lip, and I'm hanging on. Help me, Jesus. I said, Tim, I said, look at me look at me, just look at that. He was like a stoic soldier. He laid there and he looked at me and they just sewed that lip up and got it all fine. I went in the hallway after it was all done and fell apart, you know, (laughs) but you know, when you're suffering and when you're in pain and you're going through difficulty, I want you to know that. Your heavenly Father is with you when you suffer. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that in our suffering, the God of compassion comforts us. So one of the things that the Father does, the Father Father God, the perfect Father, he's with us in our suffering, and we keep our eyes on him because our Father never leaves us in our suffering. Amen. So what is the perfect Father? The perfect father is someone who loves us completely. Perfect father loves us completely. The perfect father takes initiative and reaches out to us. The perfect father is patient with us and not angry with us. And the perfect father is with us when we're suffering. That's a picture of the perfect father. There's an old Civil War story, very famous Civil War story. A lot of people know the Civil War story of the father that knew his son was wounded on the Gettysburg field. He was laying there wounded, and the father lived nearby, couldn't stand it any longer. So as it's starting to day is fading, it's starting to get dark. He hitches up his wagon to the team. He takes his, his, uh, his lantern, He goes to the field where he thinks his son has been wounded. And he's walking along that field with the lantern held up looking for his son. Looking for his son. About that time, there was a puff of wind that blew out the lantern. And the father walking in the dark cried out over and over again, John Hartman, John Hartman this is your father looking for you. John Hartman, John Hartman, this is your father looking for you. And a wounded soldier laying on the ground said, would to God, I had a father looking for me. Would to God, I had a father looking for me. I want you to know that you have a father. Father doesn't matter what kind of earthly father you have. You have a father that's looking for you. He's patient. He loves you. He's long-suffering. He's with you. He said this, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. Would you lift your hands and let the Holy Spirit minister to you? Some of you grew up with your bucket empty, and maybe you didn't. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus to become a follower of Jesus. You can do that today on Father's Day. You just say, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you bore all of my sins. And I invite you into my life to be the Lord of my life. And I believe you're raised from the dead and you have a great future for me. If you've never done that, you can do that right now. You don't have to come forward and not have a bunch of people look at you. You can make your decision this moment to be a father of Jesus. And if you're here today and you are grieving a father that you lost, I want you to know that your father, your heavenly father is with you at this moment. This is a good Father's Day because you have a perfect father. Now, Father, we pray for the Holy Spirit to just encompass us, all of us today. Fill us with your spirit today. Fill our buckets with the love of the Father. Let us know how much, how special we are to you. Lord, if we've gone through this week where we feel like we've been misunderstood, not loved, not cared for, just uh, no one's really noticing us, no one's really seeing us, and we feel empty inside. I pray for the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the Father's spirit to fill our hearts today because we are special and we've been made in your image and we love you in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.